0: Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Magid. With me is Omar Zini. And back once again is Trevor Styles. This time, not on his exercise bike.
1: Uh, you know, Mike, I simply just couldn't get enough of the good times we had. I also listened to the podcast. And besides the fact I didn't shut up the entire time, I also realized that I sounded like I was like climbing Mount Everest. So I decided to <laughs> uh, to sit in my chair today, speak a little less. I even tried to find my... My microphone, because so I sounded like I was in a tin box, uh, and during my, my basement revamp cleaning of making it into my office and gym, I lost the one cord that I really need. So, um,
2: You sound good, though. You sound good.
1: I have a nice voice. I wouldn't say it's good enough. It's a bit nasally right now, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm not doing you know, cartoons, but it's not bad.
0: I like the Brandon Ralph uh, glasses going here, the Superman style that you got going. Yeah, it
1: it, it kind of hides my fatness right now. It's a good. And for, those who, for, and for those who can't see me, obviously, I'm not really heavy. I'm just like ex athlete heavy. It, it's you know, it's someone I look at myself in the mirror and I feel just a little bit of shame. Then I realized I maybe had like you know two bowls of ice cream last night.
0: Do you ever? Did you guys ever see the uh, the video when Michael Jordan uh, was training with the Charlotte Hornets at like fifty, and he was out there and he was like fat Michael Jordan, but he was still like schooling dudes like on the team.
1: Almost as good as when Master P went out to uh, the Charlotte or the charlotte hornets back in the day
0: oh that's right that's right he went out to actually back when they were in new orleans but he could he could actually he could actually ball
1: though like like master p could actually ball damn like whatever the if whatever the reserve league was like he was good enough to play that
0: oh that's what i heard he could play in the mbdl uh before the g league um which is a hilarious name for the
1: but but he was yelling uh have you do you know he's got his own energy drink called the make him say uh energy drink (laughs) i I didn't i didn't know i'm not i did not know that. I'm not joking. And it makes so much money that when he divorced his wife like six years ago, that was one of the biggest contested things because the making state energy drink was making like tens and tens of millions of dollars a year.
0: For those of you wow. guys who are wondering if this is a goalkeeping podcast, yes, it is a goalkeeping podcast, but uh, hey, you know what? <laughs> we can always stray on to other things. Uh, all of us are pretty big basketball teams. I think
1: goalkeeping is woven into everything. Into it is. rap and hip hop and basketball and tiddlywinks and lawn bowling and hula dancing and whatever else comes to mind,
0: Mike. As the Kooligans say, uh, you know, we get to soccer eventually at some point. So, uh, all, hey. Hey,
1: all in good time. Patience is a virtue. Not one that I have a strong uh, discipline for, but it's it supposedly it's important. I'm going to be quiet now.
0: <laughs> Speaking of, uh, of discipline, uh, thank you for everybody who's been disciplined enough to actually go in and rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Again, a lot of people DM and go, hey, where can I find the show? I missed that last episode. If you just subscribe, you will never miss an episode. It will literally download to your phone. Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, um, uh, uh, you know, styrofoam cup with the string on it. that, that The Magic to- School Bus. Yeah. There's all sorts of different ways to, to listen to the podcast. And four reviews
1: in Canada, Mike. I checked it out. We have four, and one of them is oh. mine from back in the day, so there's really three.
0: All right. Well, that's, that's
1: and, good. And someone actually mentions my commentary and Omar's – excellence and leaves you out of it which i thought was perfect
0: i think that might have been your review
1: (laughs) no surprise surprise it wasn't it actually wasn't
0: i was surprised too that's that's incredible uh no but everybody who has been reviewing uh thank you so much right now we're currently getting over 80 reviews um everybody it's been amazing uh please keep reviewing again that's the way people find us online uh, that's also, please the donate.
1: Can you donate to the fund you've opened so you can pay your rent next month?
0: Yes, that would be fantastic if you guys could go <laughs> on to the Patreon. Uh, we have a couple members right now. We'll definitely push that on the tour. Uh, and uh, speaking of the tour, we are leaving soon. We're leaving July 21st to Camp Shutout, www.campshutout.com. I literally think there might be like three spots left. Um, so if you want to DM uh, Stan himself over at the Camp Shutout Instagram channel or on Twitter or just reach out on the. On the website address and say that you're an listener or just a pro GK fan in general, um, you know, he might be able to uh, get something, but it's a simple matter of beds. Uh, so, shout out to everybody who's coming to Camp Shutout. Um, I'm really excited about that. I think it's going to be a blast of a time. We're going to have the Roughneck Scarves there on sale. Again, RoughneckScarves.com, official scarves provider of pretty much everybody in the world. Um, I'm excited about getting these scarves finally out there. I know Omar has like a whole stack of them at his house. I There's do, yeah.
1: Do you Uh, actually? I do, yeah. (laughs) I have a lot of them?
0: (laughs) He's got a lot of them. Um, Those are the ones that are not at Camp Shutout because we have a huge stack over at Camp Shutout. Those are the ones that we can sell online, which at some point we'll get to. But uh, we've been very busy, uh, as you guys can probably attest to, all the videos that we've been seeing, all the tournaments that have been going on. It's been crazy, man. There's been World Cup going on. There's been Gold Cup going on. There's been Copa America going on. And we're like, ah, we're finally going to get a break. And then someone's like, what about African Cup of Nations? What about U.S. Open Cup? I'm like, ah, okay, we'll get to leagues at some point. Um, what about
1: the Canadian Cup? I mean, come on, guys.
0: What about International Champions Cup? Are we going to cover the ICC? Is that a thing we're going to do?
2: Probably, yeah.
0: Sure, okay. Preseason tour. tour. Okay, I guess, it's, I guess okay, sure, why not? Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's get into today's episode. We are going to be talking AFCON, we are going to be talking U.S. Open Cup, some news that's going on in regard to transfers. ACON! But first, let's start with some listener <laughs> questions. Uh, so first off, I got one from a, a good friend of ours at, oh, here, a uh, big supporter of the show, uh, Mars Brownson uh, from Manhattan Beach, and he is asking, how important is time off? Smack that all on the floor, smack that.
1: <laughs> Sorry, not Afcon. ACON. Afcom, my bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So he's asking how important is time off, particularly as a parent of an 0-7 goalkeeper who would like to train 24-7? Sounds familiar. Is there a time to say no to go to the beach, play some volleyball, hang with friends, and just relax? Uh, Let's open it up to Trevor first.
1: Interesting, because before we uh, logged on today, Omar was discussing someone who was overworking and injuries, and I had a story of someone else I knew, and we've all been there. Um, Best example, one of my premier level youth keepers who is probably on the same age. Uh, she's 13. I said in July, because up here in Canada, there's, there's a, a break there. Take it off. Do do fitness. Do some gym work. Um, you know, get the ball at your feet so you're doing some passing. Don't touch the ball with your hands. Take some time off. Don't hit the carpet. Don't hit the ground. Relax your body. Uh, I think it's important. I think nowadays kids are being so overworked because of the demand. Uh, I think they feel they have to be, Always doing stuff, pushing themselves, those really passionate kids who have a desire to play at the top level because they feel they got to compete against so many others. Um, and I think there's just that mentality of no one really knows because everyone's growing at a different rate. Everyone's you know, doing different nutrition. Everyone's doing different rest times and rest periods. I think it's important to take a break. I think when you can find that break, you need to understand that, as a good example, when you talk to a young professional, they're learning when to work out, when to train, how to treat their body, how to treat their body after before. And it's building that skill set so you have a long career. And I think so many kids now, especially playing on turf, which kills your body, as we know, much more than a nice grass field, is that balance of how do you get the most out of your training but the most out of your rest time, right? So you're icing, you're eating properly. I think that's the biggest part is when you are doing your rest time, make sure that you are doing it properly. That's something I think a lot of kids don't know how to do.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. And I think there's also something to be said about being just a balanced human being, you know, um, and having outside uh, interests and outside things that you do. Uh, I remember we were talking uh, a few weeks back and we were talking to Haley Kottmeyer of Orlando Pride, and she was saying, you know, one of the things that she felt made her a better goalkeeper was the fact that she did things outside of just goalkeeping, uh, whether it's playing other sports or other you know, activities. It just kept her brain uh, functioning in a way that, that allowed it to keep developing as a human being. You know, Omar, how do you feel?
2: Yeah, no, I think uh, especially for me and now that I've gotten into coaching, I realize that I need, I need some uh, you know, personal time. I need some time to reflect. I need some time to uh, let my body heal. And as we all know, as you get older, everybody gets to know their body a little bit differently. You know what your body Uh, from experience, how much, you know, how much rest time you need and uh, what your recovery time looks like, what kind of stretches you need to do. But I think there's different ways, like you said, Mike, uh, with Haley Kottmeyer, there's different ways to stimulate your mind and still stay active. But at the same time, too, like uh, Trevor said, stay off the carpet, let your body, let your hips, let everything reset, let your mind reset so that once you go out there for a preseason or the next uh, session you have, your mind is free of, uh, of that stress of just kind of uh, trying to put too much into your head where you, you can't really have, you don't really have time to process things. Um, like even when I have sessions now, i have kids, you know, I do kind of like high intensity work as it is their preseason. And, you know, in between, let's say we do six reps, the first three reps are intense. And I say, Hey, give yourself, you know, a minute or two. It's going to feel weird because you might think I'm babying you, but give yourself a minute here to process the technique you just learned or the, the process, uh, the fatigue that you have now, how can you work on breathing patterns so that the next three reps are that much better? And then I guess it's, you know, kind of same mentality, same idea with that. When you're off uh, for, you know, two or three weeks, uh, you don't have to be off from stimulating your mind about the game. Watch film. If you film yourself, watch those games. Uh, There's so many tournaments in the summer. Watch as many tournaments as you can, but specifically watch the goalkeeper. See what they're doing when they're getting the passbacks. If they're doing one touch clearances, where the pressure is coming from, how this new rule is being applied and how goalkeepers are using it. So there's different ways to stay in the game but without having your body get hit so i think uh you know to give you my final answer here for the young goalkeepers out there take some time off no one's no one's going to beat you up because you know your body no one's going to beat you up about uh you know doing all these reps and getting yourself fatigued because there is time rest recover do all you need to do and then from there watch film watch games and you're still stimulating your mind and you can piece all those little things together once you get back onto the field
0: by the way, right now while you're talking about all that stuff, I'm watching uh, the uh, African uh, Cup of Nations going on, and it's uh, Ivory Coast and um, uh, Algeria. And then there's the Madagascar-Tunisia game, which is happening right afterwards. And it's reminding me of those youth tournaments where, like, a game's gone into extra time, and it's going into in, into PK shootout, and the other team has to like warm up on the side, like <laughs> that's still going on. Because I just see like the Tunisian goalkeeper, and he's just doing like stretches and stuff. But meanwhile, there's like people like running around. It's it's hilarious to me. Uh, are they playing them all at the same field? That's a weird thing to do.
2: I think they did in the world cup too. The women's world cup, they had a game right after the women's semifinals were in the same
0: place. No, you, you may be, you may be correct about that. Okay. Um, speaking of being mature, uh, and not watching a game and, and listening to the podcast and also being on the podcast, there's a lot going on right now. Um, let's get into another question. And this one comes from camp uh, who's going to be a freshman at Elon college. And, uh, his question basically is like he he wants to know if like you have any advice about what separates most college goalkeepers from those that go on to be pros regarding technical ability as well as their mindset and discipline on and off the field. Trevor, I'm going to open this up to you.
1: Uh, one of my favorite comments of this is let's talk about Andrew or Andrew Rawls, who was a walk on at St. Mary's, who now is you know at the Colorado he Rapids. Walked on, really? He was a walk on because he wow. was. You know, super athletic, not super technical. When I mean, we had him on, he talked about it. Um, it was like almost a last-minute thing, too. I've seen so many kids going to college who you look at them and you go, yeah, hey, they're unreal. They're going to be, you know, an MLS draft. And by year four, they're not even a starter. Where all of a sudden, you get kids who kind of find themselves on sometimes. Whether it's a walk-on or a partial scholarship. And by year four, they're in the draft and they're an unreal goalkeeper. I, I think coming out of youth amateur, you come out the best you can, the best prep you can. But when you get to college, a certain mindset kicks in that I think is more towards a professional mindset of, once again, taking care of your body. Once again, eating right. Once again, understanding how to rest. Um, and I think players who have that adaptability towards that and have that you know, conscious mindset of that really can take it to the next level. I think people who come in who are the wham, bam, flash goalkeeper of like youth development, but get into college and still think they can play that way or act that way, I think if they find themselves lost. I think you start to see the kids who, and young adults, who have that strong mental game really become the ones who are the cream of the crop in college and who have the chance to go on.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of, uh, do you guys remember Bryant Ruckner? Bryant Ruckner. I do know that name. Yeah, yeah U-17 uh, national team. He was a Bradenton kid. Yeah, 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 uh, gotcha. Then went to UC Santa Barbara. And um, he just he kind of never really never really made it as a pro. And I think a lot of it, it just had to be the fact that he just didn't have that that professional mindset, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, obviously some people, you know, have different, you know, interests that they eventually find as they, as they keep growing and developing as human beings. But there is a certain thing, you know, people always ask me, they say, Hey, you know, you being, you know, four feet tall, you know, with the athletic ability of a mouse, um, you know, (laughs) what?" Self
1: deprecation really suits you, Mike. It does.
0: It does. Uh, how did you how did you play at the next level? how did you do all, all that stuff? And I just simply said it was one of those things where like when everybody else was out partying at the at, at, at the fraternity house that night, you know, I'm instead, you know, doing my training. You know, instead I'm, you know, I'm, I'm working on the different things that I can do. Um, I'm hanging upside
1: I, down to stretch my body. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just wishing. I'm wishing. I'm doing like that 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 uh that thing in big, you know, where he goes to uh to meet that, that machine. Zoltar.
1: I saw a TV thing the other day and someone at a fair had a Zoltar and a medium I have is big. But then I'm like, I am big, so that was cool.
0: All I can think of when I see the Zoltar thing is I think of Zlatan. I think of Zlatan. I, I, <laughs> oh I, I think my it.
1: gosh. Dude, he I mean, I know he doesn't listen to this because he's a bad human being, but uh, that'd be a perfect Halloween costume for him. Zlatan as Zoltar. I'm going to message him that later and never hear back
0: from him. You should definitely message them him them later. By the way, he loves Efron Alvarez. He's like all over Efron Alvarez. Today he was talking about his like, he's like He's the best at the training that we have, you know, this player. So why is he not playing? So, you
2: know, <laughs> oh, that was a good accent. Well, thank
0: that you. was actually decent. That's, that why was, I was did, good. that's why I did Zlatan for my current live reel. So, you know, uh,
2: but no, I think, I think the biggest thing you guys, you guys already hit it on uh, nail on the head right there is about the mentality and the t- you know, the ability to step into different environments and pretty much act like you've been there. And like with Andre Rawls, I, by the way, I don't even know. You've mentioned Andre a lot, Chev, uh, but I played against Andre for four years. And, like, because uh, we – I went to Davis, and he's at St. Mary's, so we're very, very close. So he and I, we know each other pretty well. Um, and when I've, I've seen him mature and grow from his first year at St. Mary's to where he is now. And like you said, some goalkeepers, they, if you stick it out long enough, then you're going to find your, you know, your, uh, your prime at different ages. And I think yep. because Andre stuck it through, and I think a lot of other goalkeepers like myself and all that stuff, we don't have the patience because, like, you know, how Mike also says is that – you have to pretty much be addicted to this. At the next level, technical abilities, hit, being able to wow. hit a side volley 70 yards to somebody's foot. At the end of the day, everybody's, everybody's being trained to do that. But what do you offer that's different? I would
0: literally run through walls. Like that, I feel like the, we, the reason I made teams is because like everything that other people weren't willing to do, I was willing to do. I'd stay there literally after training for hours on end. I would always be with the coaching staff
1: see i wasn't that person i i i didn't like my time playing at the job i'm the first people would say like you know you have some natural ability you take too much advantage of it you know my first year at the caps in the 04 2004 and five white caps I, I hated it it was probably the one of the worst eight nine months of my life i you know i didn't like sitting around i didn't like the fact that i couldn't go out and do these fun things because i didn't want to get injured i you know i was trying to break it up or trying to break into the starting lineup like you know i had to take care of myself i couldn't sit around and just have coffee or read books i i I really struggled with it. Every place I went to after, I mean, I I struggled with that lifestyle. You know, and it's funny people mention comments like, look, you're making two million dollars a year." Yeah, you shut your mouth and you play, you make that money. When you're an up and coming North American player who's, you know, lucky if you're making two to three grand, two to three grand a month, it's a lot different. Um, And I just, I really struggled. I remember being at a nightclub with uh, my roommate at the time. And these girls approached us and were like, Oh, you're a professional soccer player. You pick the white caps and you should be buying us drinks all night. And I was like, Look, if you saw my paycheck, you'd be buying me drinks all night. Like, <laughs> you know, like I, I struggled with that. And I, you know, had a, a really good college career and a very lackluster, you know, pro career athlete just because, I mean, like you, I didn't have the mindset. I, I wasn't prepared to stop what I was doing to really focus on playing as a job. And it, it takes someone who is dedicated and takes someone who is willing to give those things up and, and risk those things to become that person. And I think, you know, you find someone like Andre Rawls who talks about it so passionately and he was that guy. And we, we all know those people. I, I wasn't, I had the yeah. ability. I didn't have the, the mental side to it.
0: You know, and, and, and Cam, I want to say this, you know, I, I did a little research on you, you know, after you sent in this question and uh, for somebody who, you know, picked up the position, you know, later on in life, you were a field player and then you converted into goalkeeping. It sounds like you have that mindset for you to go from essentially a rec player just a few short years ago to a division one goalkeeper you know, I, I think you you're on that right path. And I think if you keep going with that kind of mindset that took you from a rec player to being a high level, you know, club goalkeeper, I think that's going to just really benefit you as, as you move into your college career.
2: Uh, Mike, one last thing too. It, it, Like I said earlier, we talked with Phil Wedden, who's, you know, decorated goalkeeper coach, women's national team, and, you know, multiple World Cups, multiple Olympics. And what he said is that, you know, at at the English level now, uh, all these goalkeepers are very, very similar in ability, technical ability. They're all taught from a young age what to do but at the end of the day it's also the mindset but also what's your exceptional quality like what can you do differently than somebody else some people just have the mental game some people are amazing at the spread save you know some some people have specific attributes that are much better than other people and here in the u.s too it's like you want to try and separate yourself but all of us can hit a 60 yard ball now off the ground all of us have good technique on a scoop but what can you do differently and I think that's the that's the biggest thing as well is who's willing to to wait for their opportunity. Some people get the opportunity right out of college. Some people get the opportunity five, six years in their in their career. We talked to Cody Lorendi who had to wait almost like five or six years to get his opportunity. And if he would have quit by his second year, he would have never been able to see it. So that's that's what it is. You once you step into that professional environment, you have to be willing to really eat crow, man. You got to you got to be willing to to go onto different teams, wait till you get an opportunity, and once you're have the opportunity you got to really run with it and I think that's what we've seen with a lot of these guys who are in the USL um, who have been who've had to kind of fight it through for you know three or four years not many kids like David Ochoa is like the once you know one kid that we've seen who's you know 18 years old kind of a prodigy prodigy coming into Real Salt Lake system and then getting you know starting spot at Real Monarchs it's not very likely and that's not really the stories that we hear all the time but um, he took his opportunity he's running with it so that's what I would say is have a strong mindset, be willing to, uh, to sacrifice a lot. Like Trevor said, you're not going to be, you know, happy all the time. But these professional athletes get that, you know, they get paid for a reason. And um, you've seen Cristiano Ronaldo. There's a reason why he's as great as he is because literally never takes a minute off.
0: Yeah. You know, by the way, right now, I find it hilarious because it because I'm hearing the click and clacking of, uh, of Trevor's keyboard and it looks right now. I'm sorry.
1: Like, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm, I'm designing <laughs> stuff.
2: We'll just mute it, you. Just when you do it, just put yourself on mute, and then we'll hop back in when we we'll get you yeah. on. But
0: right now, what you're it, on it mute. but what it looks like is it looks like Omar's in a therapy session and Trevor's. Oh, the I therapist. do have
1: that little lean, don't
0: I? because you've got Omar, the lean going, me about, and, you're, tell tell me and then you start childhood. doing the clicking clacking of the ty- of, of of the keyboard. It like like so sounds notes. like you're taking notes on the mental state of Omar, and he's like, "Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <It's
2: fascinating, you laughs> no, I'm actually, I'm actually going to do a YouTube video pretty soon where kids were asking me like, Hey, how come you never went pro? And I mean, I could use the excuse of like, yeah, USL, you know, doesn't pay very well or the compensation isn't enough for my time. And I was just like, you know what? That's, that's kind of a lazy answer.
1: I think the real, it's not, it's not wrong.
2: Well, it's not wrong, but I think the real answer for me was just kind of like uh, the idea of going pro was a lot more like it, it made more sense to me than actually putting in the work. And when you are just trying to go off of like dreams that other people have for you or um, you just kind of
1: boom. I gotta cut you off. Yes, that's it. Dreams what other people have for you. I did it for a while because everyone expected me to do it.
2: Exactly. Yeah. When
1: other stuff came up, I preferred other stuff. Right? Like, you know, I got an offer to go play on a USL team in the East Coast, and I was like, it was like eighteen hundred bucks a month and like a two bedroom basement with another guy. I was Is like,
0: when you went to Miami.
1: No, this is, um, who was it? was it? It was Wilmington, I think, was the offer oh, on that Wilmington one. Oh, Wilmington Hammerheads. But Miami was actually great. I mean, besides, well, that's a whole different story of those three months. Um,
0: Wasn't Romario flying in on a helicopter or something like that?
1: He, dude, I, I will say that the nicest guy I met there was Zinho, the other Brazilian guy who won the World Cup with them in 94. What a brilliant guy. Uh, Romario, whole different story. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's one of those ones that, like, I was in L.A., I was playing with Hollywood United. Financially, I was doing really well, stuff like that, doing some commercials for soccer. and It was tough to be like, I'm making X amount of thousands of thousands of dollars a month, and I'm going to go grind in the USL. I think it was Wilmington for 1800 bucks a month and live in a basement suite. And One of the best comments I ever got was I was in preseason with the Rapids up in Pachuca, just about Mexico City there, and was doing really well and got pulled in with Cavijo and Murphy, and we we're talking about like what a third position would be on development contracts and money and pay, and that's why I ended up going to Miami. Was That was kind of their farm team. Um, and one of the comments was, he goes, look, you know, we're interested to see how, how you handle it. It's really easy for guys your age to come in and play MLS because you're traveling well, you get nice swag. You know, you're in nice hotels, you're in these things. But, like, but are you willing to go play USL again and grind? Are you willing to go live in those, you know, two-bedroom crappy apartments and basement suites and make no money and be on a crappy bus or coach, you know, driving 12 hours to a game? Like, are you willing to do that? And in my head, I'm like, of course I am. Deep down, I'm like, no, no, I don't want to do that. Um, you know, and that's, and that's the thing. Like I know guys like Andrew Weber, the next, you know, MLS guy, I remember him driving up and down the East coast to six, seven different teams, one off season where he didn't have a contract trying to find a job with all his, you know, kit in the back of his car. You know, like you said, like Cody, Lorendi, like taking five years to break. I mean, these guys want it so bad. Right. And that, that's really what it takes. You know, like I, I was never personally there and I, I wish I was that person cause my career had been different. Um, but I mean, that's that's the mentality of you know for you Omar. It's that why didn't you go pro? It, it's not and when people expect it of you too. It's not always your choice, but you feel you have to uphold that obligation that you didn't make somehow. It's and you know you tell people that you tell someone who doesn't have the ability to that they are lucky you like you're an idiot because so, they're like I would do anything to have that ability. It's hard to explain, you know, just because you have the ability to to do it. Yep.
0: Yeah. So. I, I want to kind of move on into the into the next question here because it's it's going to kind of talk about what it takes to be a pro and and what it that that professional mindset and I'm, I want to talk about off season training and we got two questions that kind of were based on this kind of you know uh, a topic so I, I figured I would just kind of lump everything together but I do want to give a shout out to Jacob Friedman. Great question. He asked, you know, from Rhode Island. He asked, what drills can I do on my own when my goalkeeper coach is away in the off season? Um, and then Ian Aristi, you know, from the Dominican Republic, you know, big fan of ours, obviously. Um, shout out to him. He asked what the importance of nutrition is during this time, the off season, as opposed to you know during your season, and should your diet change? Uh, Ian, I think we're going to actually talk to a dietitian and nutritionist to have them on the podcast. Uh, maybe the Orlando uh, City person uh, when we go out there for All Star Week you know, have them on to to really get into it and delve into it. My my,
1: my diet changed for a lot of beer. That's the problem.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Don't, don't follow that. Don't follow that pattern. Um, So let's, let's get into off season training here. And I kind of want to start off with just kind of asking a general question. So a lot of kids out there, you know, who who might not know what we mean by that, what is off season training and how does that differ from in season training?
2: Um, I can just go off of what I've, what I've done with my cast at LA guys. Sure. I think uh, the biggest one is in, in preseason. I mean, college is a little bit different because you don't have very much time, unfortunately. Uh, but when you get into these preseason trainings that you watch on YouTube from you know English teams, they're doing a lot of high intensity work. And as you get into you know in in season, it's more maintaining all that fitness that you've you've acquired and all that fitness that you've done in the preseason. So the difference is is that one is you're really building the endurance and doing a lot of a lot of fitness. And then once you get into season, you're maintaining all of that. And you're doing a lot more game-like scenarios now. And we're just trying to, you know, avoid any injuries. Um, Goalkeepers who aren't the uh, starters, though, you'll see even with me, I'll have the goalkeepers who are the second, third, and fourth option. They'll come and train with me while the starter's kind of on ice because we need him to be, you know, as sharp as as he can and healthy as he can. Um, And then we get these guys out there. We do some more work so that they stay sharp as well because obviously you're not getting those game minutes. Um, You're not necessarily being stimulated in the same way that the starter is. So we still get some work in, but that's the same. That's that's pretty much the difference. Is just off season is a lot of work, a lot of fitness, and then you have uh in season, it's more maintaining.
0: I would say this to, to anybody out there in regards to me personally, when it comes to off-season season, I say a couple of things. One is is that spots are one in the off-season. They're not one in the season. Uh they're not one by the time you come into your preseason, you know, in August, if you're a college goalkeeper, for instance. Uh it's it's a matter of the work that you put in and I don't mean just by the work I mean from physically demanding because we talked about overtraining too you got to make sure that you're balancing but I would say that the most physically demanding portion of your training should consist during your off season rather than during your season if you're working too hard during your season uh that's how injuries happen in my opinion personally um in the off season you know I would watch a lot of games I would uh try to, you know, work on the little technical things that I maybe during the season, you know, I didn't want to work on because I didn't want to screw up kind of, you know, like the, the, the neuromuscular response that I already have going from a reactive standpoint. But now I can really start to break it down during, during the off season you know, working with, a, with an outside goalkeeper coach, maybe that has a different perspective, different point of view than who I have at my college or pro team or club team or whatever. Um, that, that's personally what I would say. Uh, Trevor, do you have anything else to add about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think your, your point's so good. I know we don't like to you know, say it, but it's true. Um, Spots are one, in the offseason, people who come into, and I've been there, <laughs> into preseason camps unfit, thinking they're going to get fit in preseason, and that's a preseason four, are extremely mistaken. People need to come into preseason fit. There's I, one preseason with the Galaxy I came in, and I won't say the person's name, um, but he came in about 25, 30 pounds overweight. Wow. First first day in. Uh seriously? Like Twenty five yeah. to
0: thirty pounds? An
1: outside midfielder. And,
0: Wait, um, and it wasn't a goalkeeper, it was a midfielder.
1: No, no, it was a midfielder. Jeez. And, were they, they were just and, in
0: and out the whole time?
1: I don't know. I, I wasn't buddies with him. He was a, okay. you know, probably a different clique. click. Um but he got <laughs> he got pulled into the office, like didn't train the first week, and basically they put him on a diet and they basically said, You need to lose this amount by this amount, and this is safe and this is realistic. Or You're like you're done because this contract wasn't a guarantee rollover, and sure enough, I think 30 days in he lost something like 15, 20 pounds and got there. But he got chastised, and he came in thinking he could be that guy and not a big deal. Um, he was mistaken. Um, and like you didn't play for the first two months. Like that's I think that's just a big part of um preseason now too, especially that you know you don't have these guys who are the end all deals and, you know, there's no one competing for the spots. There's so much competition now and so more players coming in from everywhere that you need to come and fit. You need to come in with that spot in your mind that you're going to win and you can't expect to win that spot while you're trying to get fit, right? You, you can't expect to compete with the guy who's coming in fit for that spot when you're not. You need to do the work in the offseason. You still need to eat well um, and you need to come in mentally sharp as well so, so you're ready to go from day one.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's a really really good point to to really 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 stress to everybody, is that you need to carbon sharp from day one, okay, especially if you're somebody that's challenging for a position rather than an established number one uh, who who's got a for lack of a better term a reputation there already you know or or an understanding with all the all, all the players and everything like that so let's talk about that and let's talk about getting sharp from day 1 and let's talk about matches during the off season you know and for some of you college guys we're talking about playing USL2 or NPSL uh, or even an, in, in a local men's league, you know, that sort of a thing. Um, you know, is it important for us to get matches in the off season, or should we allow your body to recover? Personally, in my opinion, I think it's got to be kind of a six and a half a dozen of the other. It depends on where you are physically, you know, with your body. What, what about you, Omar?
2: I think if, if you're going to do anything, it should be more matches than training, in my opinion. I feel like that's the best way for you to get yourself up to speed and, and make real, like you said, Mike, your, your triggers and you have like the, the mental recall of knowing what to do once you're in the game. And I think, you know, training is, is great. And of course it can, you know, can beat your body up and all that um, which I think, you know, I would say the way I would do it is maintain train maybe once, twice a week, let your body, you know, at least be familiar, be familiar with hitting the ground so that when you get into preseason, it's not like out of nowhere, you, your body's not feeling it anymore, but you get it one or two sessions a week. And then if you can play like two or three games a week, you won't really do that much in a game, but at least you'll have to make those game-like decisions. And I think that's going to benefit you so much more because it's not as taxing on your, on your body, but at the same time, you're still stimulating your mind and you're going to get those game, uh, game situations and, uh, simulate all the stuff you'll see in season. So I would say play more games than you do train because at least you'll be getting that uh, stimulation.
0: What, one thing I want to say about games in, in the off season, and I, I'm sure a lot of USL two coaches are going to hate me for saying this, but, uh, you, you're you've got the opportunity to take more risks because it's not your it's it's not your college team. Um, you're not as familiar with these guys, so you're going to be learning. You know, kind of on the get go. A lot of times, these teams are kind of put together overnight, and uh, and there's going to be mistakes made. And so you can take risks, and you can learn from those risks and learn from those mistakes. Um, every USL two coach is just being like, we'll never be on your podcast. We'll never have your goalkeepers anywhere. Near your podcast but uh but, but that's kind of honestly kind of how I feel about it um in regards to from a sports performance standpoint you know Omar I understand what you're saying in regards to not taxing yourself so much but I think you're better off I think it's periodization okay of when your off season is let's say you're a college player and you just finished spring ball in what what is it may beginning of may sure so, yeah yeah so beginning of may okay so maybe those those first few weeks you know you kind of take it easy you kind of oh, rest
2: definitely. maybe
0: you do some maintenance work or whatever, then you can go hit it, then you can go, you know, start playing with an uh, MPSL or USL two team, you know, in June and uh, training hard, you know, maybe in the mornings, you know, you're training doing sports performance work, you know, with the strength coach, that sort of thing, or even on your own. And then at at night, you know, you've got your training sessions, you know, with the, with the USL two team, and then, you know, a couple matches a week, that sort of a thing. So again, balance it but periodize it so that come your preseason come before you're getting into double days type of a thing, you know, your body's fit and ready to go.
1: Yep. You
2: know? I
0: agree. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Trev
1: your body's fit and ready to go.
0: Well, your body's definitely not fit and ready to go. No God.
1: No, no, <laughs> no, no, definitely. No, I, I already said my point. I'm, yeah. I'm happy with it.
0: Okay. Um, so let's talk about training differing, depending on the level that you're playing at, you know, your off season training, should it be different, If you're a a club player, you know, uh, off in in the summertime before, you know, you you go into your your league youth season, whether you're a college kid, uh, a professional, you know, or or is it basically the same kind of parameters depending no matter what level you're playing at?
2: The same. the same. Yeah, I think like, for example, today in one of my sessions, I had a, a, a young kid who's on Real Salt Lake Academy. And then I had a kid who's He's, he's younger but he are this like they're very similar in age but you could tell that one's been training every single day and then one kind of trains every once in a while um, and I had them come into a group session and you know I felt like the the goalkeeper who was a little bit uh, uh, not as experienced as a real LA goalkeeper like him him being put into that professional environment or to an environment that uh, the standards a little bit higher I feel like that really really ups their game so for any goalkeeper that comes out of college or Um, you're for high school, you're getting ready for a preseason for a for a college preseason, put yourself into the highest possible training environment that you possibly can just so that you're always maintaining that professionalism is that when you step into any environment, um, nothing really changes. So that's what I would say is, is try and keep it as similar to the level you're going to be going to.
0: Trev?
1: Sorry, what was the question again, Mike?
0: The question is: is sure your, your offseason training differ depending just, on the level? You're just,
1: playing. just, just pissing with you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you got to train the way you play. I mean, you you can't go and play in playing a beer summer league or expect you to go play back Div One again. you know
2: like it was like high school we used to we used to go from our academy oh
0: nothing nothing worse than going high school soccer back to your club team
2: uh dude my first year of academy they let us play let us play uh high school so we all left the high school and the next year they realized oh my god that was a terrible decision because these guys all came back out of shape we used to play games monday wednesday friday can you believe that man physically just anyway sorry to cut you off but yeah
0: but on the positive, you had like 500 people at every game as opposed to 10. So True,
2: very true. All the parents plus friends. So I was, yeah, yeah, it was fun.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you, you got to play at the level, right? So I mean, that's what we're saying. Like you, you, you need to at least do your best to find a level that you can adapt to if it's a little higher or a little less, that's going to keep you in that same kind of frequency of training, uh, demand of training and demand from your body to stay fit for the upcoming season. Much to be nice if you could just play beer league and stay fit, it's uh doesn't work that way.
0: Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to play in a men's league, make sure that there it's a level of either guys that you know played. If you're, let's say, if you're a D one college player, you know, uh, in the off season, if you're not going to play on a USL two team, <clears throat> find a men's team where guys played at least college. You know.
2: Um, Mike, also too one the one thing that you mentioned earlier that I really liked is that when you're trying or when you're playing for a new team or you're like, for example, when I was younger, I actually, that you brought up crossroads is really funny. Uh, my, we have family, I have family friends and they get like 11, 11 aside, um, at, at cross, uh, crossroads field in uh, Santa Monica. Do they rent that field Sunday? To
1: League anybody
2: yeah. Don't they? Dude, I played
1: in that with buddies for four or five years.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if we crossed paths, but I was a lot younger back in the day, and I would go out there, and I, I knew the level wasn't going to be the same. It was just dads and uh, old European guys who would come out there, and you know, called some the, guys I call
1: would... it the Day of Champions. They is, yell and swear <laughs> and go off at each other. It's ask, very unique experience. Them, ask, 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 them about me. I used to play up top in school, like four or five goals a game. I, I played in it that was...
0: league uh, with LA Blues. I will ask yeah.
1: It was so... This wasn't a league. <laughs> it's a Sunday pickup. Oh,
0: this was a Sunday pickup. Sunday okay. Pickup. I've been in the league with LA Blues out there. Um, you know, this, back, this is called...
1: The, the, it was called the day... It still exists. I'm, I'm still on the email list. Who's, who's a, your I'm friends?
2: A, uh, It's Eric Othman.
1: Hi, dude. Say hello for me. You know him? Yes. <laughs> okay. Very, very well. We'll
2: talk We'll talk off there. And, right and,
1: and, and and Ramsey. And Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I Just <laughs> asked, ask, him, ask him about Trevor Stiles. We'll dude, I will. Yeah.
2: Uh, but no, yeah. So I would go out there and I would say, "Hey guys, like I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna play in goal." And and you know, sometimes I'll play on the field, but I would play in goal. And the level wasn't the same as the club team that I was on. But I would go out there. I'd say, "Okay, you know what? Today I'm really gonna focus on my crosses. Today I'm really gonna focus on uh, staying higher on my line for those through balls or my distribution. I'm gonna take more of a risk on it." So I, so I would go out there with different objectives, even though the level wasn't as high. But at least I was getting my my you know my filling in the whole thing. I I knew what I was. My, object, my objective was and what I was going to uh, deliberately try and, you know, try and work on. So if you're, you know, you don't have access, because a lot of us don't, if you don't have access to high-level stuff and you're stuck playing with your friends or you're stuck doing something, at the basis of everything, try and get something out of it. Like, even when I train young kids, I, I, oh. have, I, I have them come out and I say, you know what, it's going to be a long day, but today, at least you're going to learn how to do
0: a, a front dive. At Wait, Omar, today. you train young kids? Very rarely, very okay. rarely. But I tell them all the time, like, at least... I'll, like, I'll like, contact Omar and be like, hey, I've got this, like, eight-year-old. He's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm just too impatient. But
1: no, The day, of, day of champions. I love it,
2: Omar. It's <laughs> so funny.
1: All those swearing people yelling in Farsi all day long.
2: It's crazy. Like, they're very... There's no filter there. And, like, people you see... I mean, I'm sure we all know this, but we, we see different sides of people. You see them they're, they're oh. yelling at you, they cuss at you, and it's like, yo, I thought you were, like, my dad's friend, uncle. Like, what's going <laughs> oh, on? No, like, no, I thought we no, were no,
1: cool. Not, not in the day of champions we like- <laughs> were you there when big tony was there jeez oh
2: was i oh. there dude i think i was
1: oh, big tony the tailor oh uh-huh. there there's just some beauties there man <laughs> i feel like i
0: need to go out to this league, uh, league if that's uh oh, this I'll is a right in your, on
1: it this is right in your wheelhouse the day of champions
0: the day of champions wow <laughs> all right so let's let's talk about um let's talk about specific activities um, did you were, you were you
1: there when god was there and you show up at his lamborghini
2: Dude, it was so long ago. I was like 15. So like oh,
0: God. I don't remember. It's been a minute. I'm Love sure,
1: it. Love it. sure right, you ta- scored on me at some point. <laughs> no, I'm sure many. All right, let's keep going.
0: So let's talk about specific activities. If there's anybody out there and, and, you know, maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll do a video, you know, breakdown or something like that, you know, on the Academy channel, you know, showing specific activities that you should be doing for your off season. So like if there's like three main components of, or three specific activities really to focus on in the off season from a general template. What would you guys all suggest?
2: Uh, I mean, the three I can say: stretching, find a good warm up routine, good stretch routine, strength and conditioning. Uh, strength, obviously, hitting the gym. And then, obviously, I mean, don't lift too heavy, but if you want to build a strong foundation, start doing that. Work on the core as goalkeepers. Work on the shoulders. Um, and then from there, you do, obviously, your endurance training where you don't have to worry about being on the field. But uh, whether it's treadmill or long runs, that's, those are the two so far. And the last one would be, uh, for me, would just be uh, diet. Those three for
0: me. Trev? Anything else?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, for me, too, especially I find an off-season – uh, it was just the consistency, you know, always doing some fun, different little things, but the main core of stuff, keeping it consistent, keeping my body consistent. So my body knows what's expected. It knows how to build and grow. I think you were trying to do 8 million things a Sunday or your body doesn't know exactly what it's doing and what it's working on. So I think, I mean, one thing Omar says, nutrition is huge, right? Eating properly, building that balance in your food and kind of keeping it the same, keeping your workouts very similar. So they're building what it is. So you're kind of starting on a small base and building it upwards. If you see my hands, it's like Talladega nights where I want to put them and you're building, instead of doing 8 million different things, I'm going to do this today and do that tomorrow and do that and do this and do all these different exercises, I would keep to a very core of what I'm working on that I know is going to be efficient for my body and my body knows what it's doing, that I know how to recover properly. When you do a different exercise and then the next day it's a different exercise, the next day and you keep on doing all these different things, it's hard for your body to recover because it's not sure exactly how to recover. When you do a lot of the main core things that you're building, working on that are the main necessities for your body – your body understands and learns how to cool down It learns how to recover from that. And and it's just an easier process to stay in shape, stay injury free and be ready.
0: Yeah. Um, I think there's one thing that you guys didn't bring up uh, which really surprised me. And uh, that's the cross training element in regards to, for me personally, I think in the off season, this is the time that you should, Play other sports, do other activities because
1: beach volleyball—it's all about beach volleyball.
0: You don't have that opportunity during your season because you're just too darn busy and a fear of injury and all that stuff. And and again, you're going to actually develop better movement uh, skills, you know, from playing different sports. That you're going to notice that your body can do certain things that it's not used to doing. And then it's the improvisation factor of goalkeeping. You know, a lot of times. We talk about how we can certainly tell how certain goalkeepers have been trained by certain people based on how they move. And then other goalkeepers, they have that level of improvisation, you know, and spontaneity in which they're they're able to react and change up their bodies and do things differently that might not necessarily be orthodox, but it's because they either played multiple sports or because they have that ability to move their body, you know. And I think that's extremely important, especially for young goalkeepers.
2: It is. No, I think, it, I mean, it, we talk about basketball, especially for us goalkeepers. I mean, talk about, uh, I mean, Hakim Olajuwon was a goalkeeper growing up. Joel Embiid played. No,
1: that, no, no, no. He was?
2: He was, yeah. He played, I think it was in Nigeria where he grew up. He was a goalkeeper, yeah. You see, oh, you see a, lot of, a lot of crossover between the techniques, even defensive techniques of just shuffling your feet or talk about fast approach, slow arrival. They, you're on the baseline, your guy's sprinting at you. You got to be able to set your feet so you can move right or left. Uh, even like cutting off passing lanes by using your IQ of the game. So there's just so many things. So Mike, I completely agree with you. Just be careful. Love. He was awesome. Yeah. Just be careful, guys. Don't get hurt. <laughs> That's, unless uh, you you guys can uh, send your bills to Mike.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 Definitely. Don't don't get hurt. That uh, <laughs> then your coaches are going to come after us. Uh, we and we don't want that to happen. Um, all right, guys. Uh, I think I think we've pretty much talked about it. I mean, you know, there's a, we could, we could talk about till we're blue in the face in regards to off season. There's so many different things, but I think this kind of gives you guys a general idea of where to move uh, with your off season training. So let's move on into guys that are not in off season because they're now actually playing. Uh, actually, you know what, before we do that, let's talk a little more off season. Let's talk about transfer rumors. Okay. And uh, let's talk about Manuel Neuer. Okay. There's a, uh, there's this rumor out there that his agent is, uh, is saying that Neuer is not happy at Bayern Munich. He doesn't feel that they can, uh, can challenge for a, uh, a, a title anymore that they're a little because the
1: keeper's not good enough boom, boom.
0: <laughs> and uh and that he'd like a move to a a, a contender uh I'm, I'm assuming when he says contender he means a champions league contender because as we all know Bayern munich finds a way to win the bundesliga almost every year uh that, that's a really unfortunate so uh personally i that that narrows it down to maybe six clubs in the world and i personally don't think that Manuel neuer right now can usurp any of the goalkeepers at those clubs what do you guys think
1: no, Trevor. No, I, I, I think, I think if he was going to do it, it had to be when either he went to Bayern um, the first year, or two or three years into it, prior to that injury coming up. I think now you're getting an aging Manuel Neuer, who, as we've talked about, hasn't been the same keeper since the injury. He's gotten better and more of his old style back, but still isn't the same keeper. And I no longer put him in the top ten. So for me to say. He's going to go take over De Gea. He's going to go take over Ederson or Becker. He's going to go to Real or he's going to go to Barca and take over Tristan. Just no, it's, it's not, it's not there.
0: Yeah. My, my number one thing with Neuer is that he is the type that he's the type of goalkeeper that his injuries has really affected his play because he hasn't changed his game based on you know slowing down or not having that same lateral speed that he used to have.
2: He hasn't adjusted, yeah.
0: Exactly, and so he's still playing a very high line. He's still going on those walkabouts, and it just doesn't work anymore for him. He's still got the arm swing. He's not as fast as he used to be. Um, I I don't see him uh, to personally. I I think Ulrich should probably be the number one at Bayern at Bayern. You know, coming into the season if they really want to go in a new direction anyway and and start rebuilding, because I don't think that that team Robin just uh, retired and uh, you know, with the new guys now like Serge Gnabry, you know, maybe building around, you know, Renato Sanchez seems to be coming back into form. Um, Alfonso Davies, I think has got a bright future, you know, shout out to Canada right there. Um, (laughs) I think think it's time for Byron to, to, to uh, reload and uh, to rebuild uh, rather than try to compete next year. In fact, I could see Dortmund winning the title next year. So.
2: Yeah, I think I don't I mean I wouldn't disagree with his agent. I think his agent definitely has some points that he's making that are, you know, factually correct. The team is in a rebuild like you say, Mike. Uh they don't look like they're going to have a chance to win the the Champions League because of how good some of these uh, English teams are next year. So, I think in terms of that, uh he's he's factually right. But when it comes to demanding a, you know, bigger contract or saying that you know his goalkeeper has bigger aspirations, I mean, he unfortunately has way less of a footing to, you know, to, to talk about. Like Trev said, if it was like five, six years ago, best in the world, he can literally make any demand he wants. But you have kind of an aging superstar who you don't really know what you're going to get from this injury. Then you start questioning like, all right, now now we're okay if you walk, you know? We're not really as, you know, as, uh, as worried if you do walk. Of course, they'd want to keep him. But your agent starts saying these things and you get it out into the media and you start ruffling some feathers. I think like an old Bayern Munich player, I forget his name, uh, he came out and was saying like, man, no, this is not how you do things. You don't, you know, funnel information through your agent and then him kind of start, you know, bashing the club and saying all this stuff about Bayern Munich. You're supposed to be protecting, uh, you know, the, the shield and all that stuff. So, you know, he's kind of ruffling some feathers there, but I think if there's any time for him to move, it should, it would be now. I just don't know how, how what his stock is like. And I don't think any, any Premier League team will want to. Is, he a, that
1: is that. he a free transfer?
2: I don't know uh, if he'd be a free transfer. I think. He is in contract negotiations like very soon his contract will be up and he wants to uh, like in the quote that I have here. Hold on. I posted it yesterday to the ProGK News and it says uh, his agent says he wants to win Euro 2020 and the way for Champions League again. Manuel is success oriented. The gap to the top four English teams is already serious and the Munich squad is currently not yet as competitive or set up to tackle Manuel's goals seriously. Now he's in the phase in which he has to decide how will things progress in the future. Ending his career, Byron is one, is of course the obvious option, but it's not the only one. So they're kind of you know they're kind of throwing it out there and seeing if anybody would buy. It, but the biggest they kind of
1: threw them under the bus though,
2: hundred
0: percent. And and, and, so, and, yeah. and also like I'm saying is that is that I don't see any of those. I can see him going to a mid-table Premier League team and being the number one absolutely, but you I know, I don't see him usurping Allison or Hugo Lloris or. Ederson, or any of the other guys in the, in the top, top teams in the Prem in any way whatsoever. I could definitely see him going and being a number two at a big club, but I don't think that's what he wants. So...
2: You know, one thing I'm going to bring up, because this is uh, Trevor's uh, home ground here. Trevor, uh, from the comments that I got, I got 41 comments. Of those 41, about 10 of them said, take Hugo Lloris and get him out. Let's put, uh, let's put uh, Neuer straight in there. And to me, I'm not really... I mean, I, I'm, I am a fan of Hugo, but more so in the last like five, six years, I was a big fan. Recently, he's obviously had some big moments in the Champions League, and obviously you can't fault him for that PK uh, in the final. But other than that, I think sometimes he is, he is a little bit mistake prone, um, and sometimes he can give up a howler here and there. Uh, but what do you think? Do you think that would be a good option? Would you be upset about that? Or would you feel like you guys are doing uh, Ugo kind of an injustice?
0: Wouldn't Kazinaga be, be, be a better choice as the, taking over as the number one anyway? You got, you got more upside. He's well, not-
1: that's okay. So, so my thing too is this, is that the, the biggest comment that I think Omar had is that he's a, a falling star. And I think especially now that a goal – remember when we were younger, a goalkeeper's prime was 34. Okay, that was the exact age. I think you, it's a little earlier now. I think keepers are actually priming in their 30, like a, a 30, 31, maybe even a 29. You see a lot. I mean, Iker Casillas was this one off where he was a super young starter at a young age. You know, that was such an uncommon thing when he came into that. Yep. You know, that, that just wasn't the case for now. You see a lot of younger goalkeepers who are the number one. Um, for me, I mean, Hugo's 32, Neuer's 33, 34, 33, somewhere in there. So I, I think you're trading to be honest one for the other. I don't think you're you know, what's what's the point of getting an older aging keeper who's a little bit history of prone mistakes and come off an injury when we have a older aging keeper who's, you know, makes a few mistakes here and there too. Right? That's that's my thought is we don't need to trade one for the other. Yep. You know, you, you know what you're getting with Lloris. And if not, I think you have Gazaniga who's proven that he is so the next to take over there, right? So, so good. I, I think anyone who is thinking that Neuer is going to come in and solve their goalkeeping problems at a top 16 across any division right now is, is out of their mind. I mean,
0: would he beat out Ariola at PSG?
2: He would. I would think so.
0: But, but, but ariola has got a tough,
2: yeah.
1: But a, but a club's got to look at this too. How old's Ariola? 25? 26?
0: 23, I thought. I
1: 23? Thought it 23. Okay, so do you want to put time, money, and effort into a guy who's maybe got two or three okay years left? Or do you want to put time, money, and effort into a guy who, A, has 10 plus years left, who in two or three years, you can sell for quite a bit of money? Yep. Right? I mean, I don't – 26. I don't, 26. He's
0: 26. That was right. Oh, I'm good. Okay. Are you all 26? I, <laughs> wow,
1: okay. I, I, I would take – if I was a, a club owner, I would take Neuer on a free transfer. I wouldn't pay much for him. There's just no need. I'd rather put that money into a young upstart keeper who is the next Gazaniga as a backup somewhere. Who is that mentality? I just, I wouldn't see, who is going to be how Keppa turned out where Keppa was three years ago. I, I just, I wouldn't see him being that guy. And I think his agent's trying to, you know, peacock a bit and fluff his feathers because they need to, because I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of buyers for him. You know, I, 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 I mean, do, 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 do you see him come? I mean, here's the thing too, is he's won everything right he He's won yeah. the Bundesliga, he's won the Champions League, he's won the world Cup
0: um do you so, somewhere like Anter Stegen.
2: So, well so, Anter so Stegen somewhere. is coming up. he's going to eclipse him pretty soon, so I think also too, he's also getting pushed out of the the, the starting position in the national team, and I think there's a lot of pressure on him there. Because uh, Terstegan is in his prime right now, and he is probably, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the world, along with Allison. At the Ter
1: moment. Stegen, Stegen should have started at the World Cup, and we all know it. Of course, two years yeah. Ago, right, but so
2: I'm happy he didn't because of how bad the team looked, and it was kind of like that Spain 2014 C, uh, team where you're kind of showed up but didn't really ball out, and it looked bad on Casillas. So I'm happy he didn't play. He should have, but I'm happy he didn't because it didn't. It, it, it would have looked bad on him, and it would have been a bl- would have uh,
1: taken <laughs> away some 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 credit for him. I, I agree. Yeah. So I mean, right. so for me, it's that. I think it's it's time it's done. He's 33. You know, like I, to be honest, where does he go? He goes to the MLS.
2: <laughs> okay, dude. Oh, well, we're going to lose we're going to lose the viewers because of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> let's not. I'd mean, that, be the most that'd be the most why? inter Miami type of move. To do. Why why <laughs> is that a bad
1: Okay, hey, hold on, hold on, stop stop stop. Why is that a bad comment?
2: No, no, I think if you if you waited 3 more years to say it, I think that people would be like, "Okay, yeah, but he's still like he's still good enough." What I mean, like he's still good enough to play. In, but also, in the-
0: I just, I, I mean, we're, we'll talk about this. You know, we're just going to talk about Emboli in a second. You know, who was an MLS? You know, Algerian international at Philly Union. You know, and now he's, you know, back over, back overseas. He went, you know, to France, and then, you know, I think who's that? Yeah, you know, uh, Emboli. Which which guy is that again? Uh, the Algerian goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, the one who oh, had- caught a flight home when he got told to go home for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. yeah oh my yeah, god. god. And, and, guy, and, and to. To cool down and go home for the weekend, and he yep. flew home to France and never came back. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's 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 what I'm talking. That's what I'm talking about. Um, we'll talk about like, him in a second. But let's. Uh, come do on. Do we want to talk about? By the way, speaking of guys in their prime, do we want to talk about David De Gea and this? Uh, I need to get paid what Alexi Sanchez is getting paid. We need to match that, which is four hundred fifty grand a week.
1: Wait, hey, hey. If you were David De Gea, wouldn't you be or David De Gea, Wouldn't you be a little upset looking at Alexis Sanchez? How much <laughs> <laughs> is this guy Kenny?
0: Well, also that's just oh, that, that also just shows Man United their management right now. What, Alexis what Sanchez he, is the highest paid he, player at Man United.
1: What has he contributed to to, uh, <laughs> to our program? If yeah. I'm Marcus Rashford, I'm like
0: Alexis Sanchez is the most is the highest paid player here wow
2: okay well that's the worst too because like he it's kind of like we talk about i guess in the nba too chris paul they gave that guy he's an aging aging superstar they gave him a big contract and now houston can't get rid of him because nobody wants to take his contract he's he's Due to, due to get paid the next two years, forty million and then forty million again. Same thing. With Is Alexis that Sanchez.
0: what he's getting? That's Dude, unreal. Are you yeah, serious? He's
2: getting paid a lot. And then you have Alexis Sanchez. No one wants to take his contract, so now they have him on the books, and that's why they haven't been able to to pay De Gea because no one wants to take Alexis Sanchez. So they're kind of. And,
1: and here's the problem: no one will even. There, there's times you see in all sports where a team will be like, look, we'll pay for half of it. We just want to off our books. We don't want him. He's four fifty a week. We'll pay two twenty five. You pay two twenty five. I don't think anyone's still paying two twenty five for him. Nope. It just PSG. Like the, if
0: they oh lose God. Neymar, if they lose Neymar.
1: Yeah, but at least Neymar came out of Barcelona like hot and fresh. Sanchez is coming out of Man U, going everyone going, why did you leave Arsenal? Oh, because you thought you'd be a bigger star at, at Arsenal. You were killing the game. You were doing well, but you wanted to be this end all be all at Man U, and that I mean, just who would, went you rather,
0: who would you rather have, Obama Yang or Sanchez, right now?
2: Have kind of Obama Yang. Obama Yang, well, yeah, for sure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, right. it comes
2: back to the youth, but uh, Mike. One thing I do want to talk about before we move on is uh, the whole – do you hear the whole thing with Zidane and uh, Neuer, Courtois, and all that?
0: No. What is that? that that's, uh, that's a new one to me. Is it uh, in the ProGK News? Because if it is, it is, I, haven't, it is. I haven't looked at that story. <laughs> yet, so.
2: uh, no, no. So pretty much what happened was Zidane is they, they've, they've found some suitors for Kaylor Navas like two weeks ago, and Napoli didn't want him, and then uh, Lazio didn't want him. A few teams that were interested in him, they, don't, they didn't want him anymore. I don't know. I think Real Madrid pretty much uh, – dropped his his value so low that no one wants him. Zidane is pretty much saying, Hey, I wanna I'm trying to get rid of him. Like the headline was Zidane is trying to get rid of Navas, but if you read into the story, it was he's got he's trying to get rid of him because he knows that once season starts, they're gonna these two are gonna be battling it out and he knows exactly which goalkeeper he's gonna choose. And it's so conflicting with uh, Florentino Perez's decision of Courtois. So pretty much saying that Courtois is untouchable and that Navas, they're trying to ship him to somewhere, but that's what happened with Neuer. They're trying to ship him maybe somewhere but They've dropped his value so low that they're just kind of like, okay, we'll take him for pennies. Here, here's a question. Taylor
0: Navas, DP signing by Inter Miami for next I season. don't think – That would I be, would, that would be would, sick. And you know how many people – that would get people out for sure, for sure. Yeah,
1: I think Taylor Navas' stock is higher than Neuer. And I'm not a huge Taylor Navas fan, as you know. I mean, I know you have a pillow with his face on on your bed, Omar. <laughs> but um, but I, I, I think he's in a better place. I also think Courtois – has no business doing what he, I just, he's not For that amount of money, he's not my guy. Let's just call it that. Um,
0: he's a Golden Glove World Cup winner. Uh, <laughs>
1: <yeah>.
0: <laughs> I, know, uh, I know, I know, I know, I know.
1: I um, know. But I, I, I think Novice has gotten a real crap end of the stick. I, I think he's been poorly treated. I think he wants to stay at Madrid to show that he can be the one. If I was him, I'd just count it and say, you know what, you all can go blank and schmeichle yourselves and uh, I'm going to take somewhere else. Uh, I don't think he's got anything to prove. I think he's a, he really is a fantastic keeper, and just I think he needs to find a league that's going to work with him. I I think the Prem's not a league that'll work for him, right? So I think he's got to ship off somewhere else. I think Oblak leaves Atletico, and I think he just goes down the street to Atletico. That would
0: be that would be that would be a that would be, swap. Th- that would be an interesting swap. Yeah, I mean that's that's definitely different. Um, right. Let's talk about some guys that are not getting paid four hundred fifty thousand dollars a week, and that's uh, the U.S. All three Open of us keepers. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into the U.S. Open Cup and let's let's talk about it. Uh, last night there were two uh, great quarterfinal matches. Orlando City played NYCFC. By real, the way, real Adam- quick
1: here. My my iPad's going to die, so when it does, it was great talking to you guys. I'll talk to you later. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right.
0: Okay. So let's uh, let's let's get into this quickly. So um, Adam Grinwis uh, played at University of Michigan. Kind of a journeyman, played throughout USL. Has only played five MLS games his entire career. Has uh, only gotten I think three games this year, and they were all Open Cup matches for Orlando City. And he just absolutely crushed it for Orlando, which ended up moving on for the first time ever to the semifinals of US Open Cup. Um, big saves, I'm um, especially the one on Maxime Chano in the 13th on the header uh, that he had to reach and drop to make the save from the materia okay. cross off the line. That was like a save of the week type of situation. He dropped with his bottom hand, quick reaction off the line. Ball was hit with pace, strong wrist. That's like the kind of videos that you show your kids to say, this is how you do it. Montel Jordan
2: style. No, that's the, you made a great point, Mike. That, that's the, the bare one of the bare things that we work on in terms of necessities of goalkeepers in terms of reactions. We always have those. Now we have those shields, the deflector shields that we use in training or the rebounders where you come across the goal and then The big you, Joe uh, specials? The Big Joe, yeah. Shout out to Big Joe Impact Goalkeeper Academy. Uh, you come back across and you have you're kinda of unsided, then you track the ball and you come in. I thought he had a great uh, great set position and was able to really let his arm out. So I mean that was a great save.
0: Yeah. And then then he ended, ended up. Coming this up is again. how we do
1: it. now I'm gonna start singing. Mm-hmm. No, no. no, no. Man,
0: so then not a lot he could do on, on, the, on the couple goals that they scored. They were both to the back corner on, on headers. Um, really no chance whatsoever. Second one was like bouncing around. It was crazy. But I want to talk about there was another big-time save. This one was on a shot by Castellanos in 112th. That was a dangerous ball that was driven right across the box from outside. And he goes – I mean that, this ball was a bullet, top hand with power over the bar. Um, I think he boxed it. I don't think he went open hand. I think he boxed it because it was coming in so darn hard.
2: Yeah. And that's, uh, we talk about it too. We're talking about the off season training and I think the off season training, you build that endurance and stamina so that when you get into season, even in the 120th minute, you're like physically and mentally still in it. And I felt like he was completely, uh, you know, aware of the situation and he used the proper technique with that top, uh, top hand, uh, send it to PKs and I'll let you, continue, you know, finish off from there.
0: Well, I mean, the PKs was crazy because first off, Orlando, I guess NYCFC, they chose one side and then Orlando's like, oh, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to have all our fans go all the way across the stadium to stand behind that goal for the PK shootout. That was, I'd never seen anything like that before. (laughs) That was was pretty crazy. I'm excited to go to Orlando and and talk to all these people in person there, man. I'm excited about that. Um, But, but Grinwis uh, just really, really solid in the PK shootout, you know, obviously, uh, very difficult to save saves, um, in PKs, you know, maybe not the best well-hit balls, you know, uh, the one by Alex ring, you know, that was kind of, missed. how dare
1: you, who, a PK. are you a striker?
0: Who cares?
1: He saved the PK. Nothing else matters. <laughs> I'm not hit, saying, it, it, I'm not saying I'm saying pundits say that. No, no. Okay? He hits the post and he stared at it. That's a mental save. He stared at wide with his eyes. Yes. How dare you disgrace the GK union and say it wasn't I'm a not, good PK he's, take?
0: He's, now. I'm, I'm embarrassed, out of for context, okay?
1: I am embarrassed for you. context,
0: okay? I'm embarrassed for you. I mean, but just obviously, you know, just oh, by the way, uh, if there was VAR in the U.S. Open Cup, all these goal, all these PKs would be. Set Every back. single one of them. Every, Every single, single one of them.
1: One of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, because everyone came off their line. Brad Suver, uh, Adam, Adam Grimwis, and and nothing against them. It's just it's it's like we said, it's very difficult to to get that right. Um, so shout out to Adam Grinwitz. Fantastic. Excited to see what's going to happen against, uh, um, Atlanta United in the semifinals that there's obviously the rivalry between Atlanta and Orlando. So this is going to be unreal. Um, so let's move on into the other quarterfinal match. It was LAFC that got shocked at home by Portland Timbers. Um, you know, uh, As- 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 I don't even know how to pronounce Pablo Asis, Niega's, uh, last name properly. Asis Niega, I think it is. Asis-Niega, Asis-Niega. Yeah. Niega. Uh, but there was a sequence from the like the 29th to the 32nd where he had three huge saves. One was Christian Paredes outside the box to the bottom left corner. He got just a little bit of a tip, and then he had to get up for the recovery. And then uh, uh, Larry Mbambala's you know, inside the six, a great save down low on the block. And then again, a header from Mbambala top set on the down he went with low, the big paw to Ooh. play it across in the 32nd. Um, Nobody I mean, this was, this was to know. A, nobody, one of those crazy sequences where we t- where nobody. we talk about. You know, discipline of staying staying in the moment. I mean, this was just like pinball back and forth, back and forth, back and forth with two corner kicks just like the that. The moment,
1: so, you own it because you never, never, no, no. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Omar, Omar, to
0: M&M. Did you get a chance to check that out?
2: <laughs> I did, yeah. And it's, uh, it's actually pretty funny because when Tyler Miller went to the Gold Cup, I was uh, I got a call from my buddy Armando, uh, who everyone knows, I think. And they, he calls me and he said, dude, the Cisniega guy is the real deal, man. I've been watching a lot of footage on him, and I think he's like, he can really usurp uh, Tyler Miller when he's out. I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I watched him, I watched him train because I'm at Cal State LA and they're also at Cal State LA. Said, He's okay. He's young, but I uh, didn't see anything too special. And this guy's a gamer, like all out gamer. Not, I mean, training is one thing, but you know, when you step into a game, if you can turn it <coughs> and he can. And uh, Mondo called me yesterday, at, at Mike, Mike, exactly when you said the 29th minute, he called me and said, dude, are you watching this kid? I'm like, which one? He's like, LAFC Portland. He just made a save. And then like a, like a minute later, he was like, dude, he just made another incredible save. So his name is out there, and it's out on the radar. And then I think Mondo thinks that he could be a starter in- for any any uh, MLS team. So uh, he's also very young, and they have r- two very good goalkeepers, at LAFC. So we'll see we'll see what kind of a one two punch they have, and if maybe you know they give him some more minutes.
0: Yeah, I I feel bad for him, and I was gonna do a whole shout out to him on the whole you know Instagram story you know for Inside the 18 last night, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is probably not what he wants to see right now because unfortunately Jerem Guillermo- uh, for Portland in the 84th minute, a ball right across the shoulder hit from a hit him at close range. I think those are the most difficult shots to stop in goalkeeping, personally. I just don't think there's anything you can do when shots are hit at pace over your shoulder like that.
2: Yeah, it was really awkward because he also went down to like the, the, his knees, kind of, what's his name? Uh, Valdo Sanchez style where you kind of do the, the Jesus and he kind of came down. To his, his, his little, 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 well, he, he
0: did play club Tijuana for a little bit.
2: So, Oh, that's yeah. That's uh, probably, Oscars, there it is. Oscars,
1: that was I was going to say Oscar, Oscar, Oscar's uh, uh, teachings.
2: <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's yeah. That he, it's unlucky. And like you said, Mike, it's really, really hard. Once you're like kind of on the knee a little bit there, it's kind of hard to lift yourself back up.
0: Yeah. And then, um, you know, Steve Clark, I thought, had a, had a good game. Uh, he's He's been filling in great for Antonella. I think they've obviously they've got two great goalkeepers over at Portland so that, you know, they're never really in, in a bad situation there. Um, uh, he, I mean, he came off his line quick, especially in the 79th when a ball went up and over to Vela. He kind of came out of his 18 and he tried to slow him down with his body. Uh, unfortunately, Vela kind of like – you know, got this weird play where he ends up getting hurt or whatever, but he just slowed him down just enough to be able to to stop the play enough to allow his, his back line to come back and help him recover, which is really tough to do on Carlos Vela. So.
2: Yeah. we got And he's in, yeah, we got to get, we got to get Clark on the, on the, uh, on the podcast very soon. We definitely, we definitely
0: need to do that. Um, yeah. Do we want to talk about homegrown goalkeeper, uh, the game, or maybe we'll do that, you know, later on. Cause since we're going to the homegrown game and we're going to talk to these guys, should we just wait? wait we'll save wait, it. Yeah, we'll save it. Okay, um, and we're going to go real quick through the, through the quarters uh, wrap-ups. You know, um, don't have a lot of time right now, unfortunately, uh, so we're going to get more into AFCON, you know, uh, next week, a little bit more in-depth, but I do kind of want to bring it up. I, I want to talk about uh, Ronwyn Williams for South Africa. I didn't know much about him, uh, but he had some really, really nice moments. Uh, smaller ke- keeper, you know, about six feet tall. My favorite is he's listed at six foot and a half, uh, which is kind <laughs> of like when I say, like, I'm five eight and a quarter. Uh, is one of those type of things. Um, brilliant top-hand save in the 49th and the top corner free kick by uh, Pedro um, Atebo uh, from outside the box. This ball was also hit with speed, and he got just enough of a touch of it to to, to, play, it, uh, to play it out. Um, I was very impressed with this goal, uh, with this save. And then, um, I mean, really nothing you could do on the first goal from close range that was raised up in the 27th by Samuel uh, Ch- Um My issue with Ronwyn Williams is, uh flighted balls in the air and obviously as a smaller goalkeeper you know people are always going to question you in regards to this but it seems like uh he has a difficulty of of reading flighted balls and he has has a tendency to get flat-footed and be too underneath the ball rather than approaching and driving at the ball uh that's kind of how they got scored on on the uh on the goal uh which basically was a misread cross by Moses simon Um, He got caught in no man's land flat-footed for the winner um, um, by Bayekong. It's a shame because he had a decent game. Daniel Ekpeye, I'm bad, very bad with these names. Uh, (laughs) He didn't have a lot to do. Um, He had a decent decent clearance in the sixth minute coming off uh, South African rusher, uh, Tim Lorch uh, on him. Uh, He had one shot directly at him from Percy Tao, which he had no trouble on it. Uh, the only goal they scored was on a set piece, and it was in the 70th. A lot of set pieces get scored here. Uh, that was a looping header to the back post. It was miscleared by Bogani Zugu that he just loops softly over. Um, not a lot you can do. We've all been in that situation, Omar, before where balls kind of looped, uh, and it's going slowly over our heads, and we're just like, oh, there's nothing. Man, if – only, if only <laughs> we had gotten a step on that ball because it's going so slow. And everyone looks at you and they go, dude, it's going so slow. How come you couldn't get it? And you're like, it's just the timing issue.
2: <laughs> physics. this Zach Steffen, I mean, yeah. uh, against
0: Mexico. Exactly. Mike, exactly. one
2: thing I'm going to bring up, though, about the African Cup of Nations, I, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but if uh, a reporter was, was live tweeting. They're saying how like, it's the, the weather in Egypt is so ridiculously hot and they're not allowed to bring in their own water bottles inside the stadiums. So some of these reporters like you said they have some of these guys who you know have two or three games in the same in the same stadium these reporters can't bring their water in and then they don't actually sell water inside the stadium so a lot of these reporters are like are dying of of not heat, I mean heat stroke but like they're just they're in there without any water dehydrated and it's like the conditions have been really really uh just not the best.
0: No no wonder it's so difficult to find highlights on Y-Scale. Like nobody, nobody's got the energy to cut, these, to cut <laughs> these videos because they're like dehydrated while they're there. Yeah, uh, now it's it been makes a weird. Um, all right, so let's talk about the Senegal-Benin game. Uh, I didn't know anything about the country of Benin. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it right. Benini, Benye, I don't know. Uh, but it's, a, it's something probably like that. Senegal uh, ends up going through Alfred Gomis. He had uh, clean hands in the 47th uh, on a shot down the middle by uh, Mikhail Pote. Um, he had clean hands all around. He, it seems to his hands are pretty, pretty darn solid for a big guy. My my issue is he's six foot five. He handled a cross in the twentieth uh, by Cessy Dalmeida that was kind of flobbing around all over the place. And I, and again, I don't know if it's the weather. I don't know if it's the dehydration issue. But there's been a lot of mishandled crosses, and uh, maybe guys are just tired. I don't know. His distribution was a lot of bowlouts and long form hits. They didn't seem to play a lot of short short balls for for whatever reason. I do want to talk about uh, Ayagabe a, a uh, for Benin because there was this crazy sequence in the 75th that kind of looked like an ASO, like U9 type stuff where you make a great body save on Mbe Degyane, uh trying to slip under on recovery. But an initial runout, he misreads it. He stands flat-footed. And Sadio Mane lifts the ball. And that's when this crazy scramble starts happening where he, he ends up making that great body save and everyone's trying to get back in position and the ball's just kind of bouncing around. Again, I'm not going to fault anybody to for misreading a ball that Sadio Mane you know, lifts over you uh, because Sadio Mane's got ridiculous skill. You know, you're talking about Champions League final type level player. But this is the kind of stuff that you some, sometimes see in these international tournaments because there's such a discrepancy in the level of ability between the players on these international teams, you know, so you've got guys who play in top-flight leagues, and then you got dudes who play domestically and kind of semi-pro leagues.
2: Yeah, I think Obama Yang uh, has kind of, I think with with Guyana, is that where he's from?
0: Uh, Gabon. Guyana?
2: Gabo- uh, Gabon. Yeah. So when he when he goes to his team, I'm sure they have guys who are budget-wise, they're not, you know, they're not Nike athletes or Puma athletes, none of that stuff. They're kind of on shoestring budgets, which is unfortunate because some of these teams uh, don't have the same budgets, and it's, you know, it's, that's why. It's incredible that like Ivory Coast had those runs where they had, you know, insane, insane amounts of talent on their team with Drogba, uh, the Torre brothers, all those guys who were able to lift that team up. So I don't know if it's a discussion we need to have one day just about like the development or kind of what goes on in these countries, but... They still produce, you know. Every once in a while, they still produce some some big-time players. But like you said, there's a big there's a big disparity, uh, big parity in, in between um, some of the some of the teams out there. So, but hasn't stopped some teams from from winning it, you know?
0: No, 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 absolutely not. Yeah. And I, I do want to talk about it. It is kind of funny though, because I was listening to. Uh, listening to the French announcers and they're literally laughing during this sequence. And all I could think of was like, Oh, they're not helping the perpetual stereotype of like the French being rude because they're literally <laughs> laughing as the sequence is going on. Is like, Oh my gosh, this is terrible soccer. This is so bad. Like, look at this. This is ridiculous. And I'm like, ah, have you watched some Ligue 1 games? <laughs> Again, he got scored in the 68th in a bullet that was by Idrissa Goye or across his shoulder to the back post. We talked about this. Maybe we should do in a whole episode about what you can do in a situation from close range where balls going across your shoulder. Because I feel like that is really the diff- most difficult place to stop a shot uh, as a goalkeeper. And, and lastly, let's, let's wrap up with talking about Ivory Coast in Algeria, which just finished playing. Algeria ends up moving on in a PK shootout. Uh, a lot of it had to do with uh, Mboli. Uh, uh, Ryan Mboli uh, was phenomenal, especially early on in the game. He had a beautiful fingertip save by a shot down the middle by Max Gradel. Uh, just perfect lateral movement to push and extend with the wrist turn to the bottom hand. I mean, he's been looking sharp, like really, really, really sharp. And in, it's been really phenomenal for Algeria in this regard. This is one of those things where when you extend, you got to make sure that your wrist is strong. So work on those forearms, uh, kids, uh, at home, you know, doing rope work, all that sort of stuff. Because having uh, having that, that dorsiflexion and having those strong forearms really helps you Uh, be able to parry balls uh, properly, And, and and he was very good at this. Unfortunately, I want to talk about the Wilfred Zaha situation, which ended his 450 unscored minutes, which is unreal internationally. Wilfred Zaha, as we all know, ridiculous player. He has a charging run and plays a great ball to Jonathan Koja, who cuts it back and hits a low bending away shot. We know low bending away shots are very difficult to stop, my issue is, is because of the way that the ball's hit on the cutback and Bully is not, his shape is negative. So because it's so negative, he can't wrap it around the post and redirect it. Uh, he ends up placing it into the goal instead. And that's why I think sometimes it's better in these situations when a player, when you do kind of see a player get ready to cut back to extend or keep your momentum forward, even if you're a little bit slightly you know, uh, not set because your forward momentum at least is going to keep you in front of the post. You know, what do you think, Omar?
2: Uh, talking about, uh, like, like, uh, the stronger forearm, like really push out. Yes. Yeah. I think, um, you talked about it right now about the balls that are hit across your body and especially on like the near post kind of ball situations. I always tell kids when I, when I coach them is to uh, load the bottom hand and we, so one kid brought it up one time. It's like the windshield wiper. When you have the windshield wiper, you're kind of going down towards the ball versus kind of getting low and pushing out. And when that happens, it's like the ball is hitting your hand versus your hand attacking and hitting the ball. Um, and I think uh, especially for those balls that that come across your body or those ones in the near post, you kind of have to have a strong hand. So I always tell them to load those hands up with the idea that obviously if the ball comes to the face area, you can still you know bring those hands up and it's not too fully loaded uh, at, the, at the bottom of your feet. But if you can get that hand down and really try to attack from a low position and push out versus the ball hitting your hand kind of with that windshield wiper um, uh, type of approach.
0: Yeah, and uh, next week we're going to get into these semifinal matches. Uh, right now we've got Senegal-Nigeria set up, uh, which is going to be a great game. I'm really excited about that. I think that's going to be, you know, potentially whoever wins that game is probably going to win the tournament. Um, although you never know. I mean, Algeria and whoever wins the Madagascar-Tunisia game, anything is possible. That would be crazy if it's Algeria, Tunisia, and Senegal-Nigeria. It's almost like two different types of, you know, uh, you know, African-type international teams, you know. Yeah. You know, the ones that are kind of more North Africa and then you've got the ones that are, you know, um, more you know, Western Africa type of a situation. So I think I know my geography, right? (laughs) I think I'm right on that. Um, all right. Well, uh, we've been going for like almost an hour and a half. So, uh, guys, everyone who's been listening to the entire way through the episode, you know, thank you so much. Keep writing, rating and subscribing online. I will hunt you. I will find you down. Uh, (laughs) need more reviews. Keep those reviews coming again. If you have any suggestions, contact at insidethe18media.com. Send in your Lester questions. Everything is streamlined now, guys. You can follow us on all the different platforms. Everything has got a ProGK handle. It's at ProGK Academy, at ProGK News, at ProGK Podcast on all the different platforms, except for on Instagram. There's an underscore for ProGK Academy underscore. Uh, That's all the time on Inside the 18. We're out. Later. Later, guys.